mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, a big honor for Macomb High School football standout, Andrew Swisher. The Panthers' star running back has been invited to participate in the All-American Bowl, and his brother Corey has launched a GoFundMe effort to help make it happen. They will join us to talk more about it. Also this morning, landlords and property management firms have faced criticism for rapidly rising rent costs, but going overlooked are the significant headwinds facing the real estate industry. We'll take a closer look. And it's easy to paint all media with the same brush, but where would the community be without local sources of accurate and reliable news? That's the subject of the latest Chamber Amplified podcast from the Findlay-Hancock County Chamber of Commerce. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Monday, August 15, 2022. And if you need a reason to celebrate today, it is Best Friends Day. Uh, Check the Chip Day, National Failures Day. (laughs) National Failures Day, that's nice. Uh, Just celebrate all of your failures today. National Relaxation Day, National Lemon Meringue Pie Day. (laughs) Relax with a lemon meringue pie and celebrate all of your failures today. I Love Cowboys and Cowgirls Day, and it is Chant at the Moon Day, whatever that means. I have no idea, but... So, um, do you ever get the Sunday scaries? Apparently, this is a real thing here. A, a sense of intense, an intense sense of dread and anxiety on Sundays. Uh, according to a psychologist writing for The Conversation, she says, Sunday is the unhappiest day of the week because, well... It's followed by Monday, and that means it's time to go back to work. And apparently, psychologically, this can do a number on us. Uh, Jolanta Burke is a psychologist. She suggests there are a number of steps to overcoming the Sunday scaries. Are you ready for this? First of all, she says, wrap up your work on Fridays. Don't carry over any of it for the weekend or into next week. Make sure that... Everything you can finish up is finished up on Friday before you knock off for the weekend. Then you don't dread having to pick up where you left off uh, on uh, the first of the week. So that's number one. She says, try not to think about it again until Monday. Try not to think about work until Monday. (laughs) Okay. There's a brilliant piece of advice. And uh, she says, plan something fun to look forward to during the week. Like a uh, work lunch or a, a late movie or a date night with uh, your special someone, something like that. Something during the course of the week that you can look forward to. So when you start to get the Sunday scaries, you can put that out of your mind. And you know when you're dreading the upcoming week, you can think about the good things or the something special that you have planned for the week. Wow, that's groundbreaking stuff right there. <laughs> that's what That's what she says. Take care of these Sunday scaries. I don't know. Uh, I just thought that was just really basic stuff there. But that's what she says. The Sunday scaries is a real thing. So hopefully that did not uh, get you uh, this weekend. Speaking of uh, <laughs> research and why this makes news, I have no idea. This is a, a recent analysis for the uh, from the University of Eastern Finland. And it shows that vitamin D, and this may help you beat the Sunday scaries too. Uh, uh, research shows that vitamin D can boost your mood. I know. Crazy, isn't it? Uh, 
Supplements of 2,000 micrograms or more daily can even reduce symptoms of depression. Uh, Supplements of 2,000 micrograms or more daily. That is about a half hour of sunshine every day. Research involved over 53,000 people who answered questions and were given supplements. Vitamin D supplementation appeared to reduce depressive symptoms, especially among individuals diagnosed with depressive disorder and in women with uh, perinatal depressive symptoms. This is according to researcher Thomas Mikola, University of Eastern Finland. Basically, they say if you get out and you get sunshine, it improves your mood. <laughs> Duh. No kidding. No kidding. <laughs> why, why is that news? Uh, they did a pretty extensive research project to figure out what most of us, I think, already know. You get out and enjoy the sunshine a little bit, it improves your mood. I mentioned it because this uh, because yesterday was just kind of one of those gray, dreary, um, hang out in your PJs and don't do anything kind of days for a lot of the day yesterday, or at least the early part of the day, especially. But anyway... So, uh, you know, the other thing that improves your mood, they say exercise, getting plenty of exercise will improve your mood, uh, just generally. And if you are wondering, (laughs) speaking of research, that's, uh, kind of eyebrow raising. This is a research according to the university of Montreal. Uh, if you have ever wondered if, um, A good roll in the hay counts as a workout. (laughs) The University of Montreal says, on average, men burn 100 calories uh, during a workout between the sheets, shall we say. 100 calories. What men? Women uh, burn about 70 calories. Uh, It's because they say men are likely more active. Or they may be exerting more energy because they weigh more on average. Either way, researchers also point out that certain positions can help burn more calories than others. (laughs) I won't go any more into any more detail than that. (laughs) But if you've ever wondered if uh, that can count as a workout, (laughs) apparently so. Um, Speaking of working out... All kinds of interesting uh, tidbits of information here this morning. Speaking of working out, should you use an elliptical or a treadmill to achieve your fitness goals? Um, While both are good for your cardiovascular health, good cardio workout, ellipticals can actually help you target certain muscles and allow you to pedal backwards. Uh, Some also let you work out your arms, you know, because you get your arms going along with your, your legs. Um, they're also better for those recovering from injuries. Treadmills, on the other hand, are great for runners because they are not as stressful as uh, running on pavement. So if you are training for a big 5K or a half marathon or a marathon, the treadmill is better than the elliptical. Uh, treadmills also may burn more calories than ellipticals in the same amount of time, I say. Which is kind of interesting because, again, with the ellipticals, you're working out more muscles, but they say the treadmill's burn more calories uh now how they all compare to sex though i don't know and i look (laughs) i didn't look that closely uh at it so if you're wondering i i'm afraid i can't help you there 
Uh, let's see. What else is going on? Among the first things you need to know, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. How do we move on this tangent uh, here? I don't know. Anyway, um, oh, you know what else is healthy? It's good breakfast in the morning. They say it's the most important meal of the day. So never skip breakfast. And now you'll never want to skip breakfast again because Snoop Dogg has launched his own cereal. <laughs> yes, that's right. Snoop Dogg. Wants to be part of your breakfast routine. He has launched his own cereal brand. Are you ready for this? Snoop Loops. <laughs> Snoop Loops, he calls it. I would not kid you about something like this. This is serious. Snoop Loops. It is a sweetened breakfast cereal that looks like Fruit Loops, uh, but with marshmallows. Uh, Snoop uh, posted a photo of the cereal box saying it's the best tasting cereal in the game and that they are taking over grocery stores. So <laughs> look for Snoop Loops <laughs> coming soon to the breakfast aisle. I'm going to have to check that out. <laughs> get me some Snoop Loops. I don't often get breakfast because I get up at a ridiculously early hour in the morning. And somebody asked me one time, do you eat breakfast? I said, no, I'd have to get up even earlier to get, to get breakfast in the morning. I got to do that. Uh, so quite often I skip breakfast, uh, but I may have to, uh, that may be worth getting up even earlier for. Get me some Snoop Loops. <laughs> uh, this was kind of an interesting story uh, on a uh, serious note. Um, this is a story actually happened uh, earlier this summer, back in June, but I'm just now learning about this. Um, happened at the Seminole Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in Tampa, where a lucky gambler who won $53,000 at the casino was robbed after flaunting his winnings and taking photos with the cash. Uh, according to security camera footage, the man was followed back to his hotel room and robbed of about 10000 of his uh, $53,000 winnings. Police say they have identified two out of the three suspects, doesn't say whether they are actually under arrest yet. But this, I, I saw this uh, story and I thought, this is a perfect example of what I've often said with respect to the lottery. And we just had the uh, big, huge billion dollar, uh, you know, mega millions uh, jackpot or whatever, whatever it was, mega millions or Powerball or anyway, we had the big billion dollar lotto jackpot. And uh, in the state of Ohio and many other states, it is required that when you claim your winnings in a lottery jackpot, you have to be publicly identified. Uh, you cannot remain anonymous and claim your winnings. Now, in some states, you can. And I've often said that if I won big in the lottery, and I don't play the lottery, so it's highly unlikely that I w would win big. <laughs> but if I were, that would be one of the first things that I would want to do. I would want to challenge uh, that law because... I mean, here's a, a case where a guy now granted you granted he was flaunting it and he was taking photos, but that's what they want to do with the lottery winners. They want to put you in front of the cameras they want to take photos. And obviously they do that to, you know, pump up the lottery and get other people excited and get other people to play. But uh, here's a guy who won fifty three thousand dollars, ended up getting robbed. Uh, can you imagine if you win a billion dollars? What a big target you would have on your back. Uh, for people who have less than honorable intentions, there are, there are all kinds of stories uh, of people actually, you know, meeting 
violent ends. Stories of people getting killed over their lotto jackpot winnings. So, I don't know. It just brings that as I put put that story in my mind. I uh, brought that to mind when I saw that story. Uh, just what I've always said. If I would ever win the, the lottery, that would be one of the first things I would do is I would challenge that law that required you to, you know, become publicly known as a huge lottery winner. I, it's a matter of, of safety, I would think. I, anyway. Uh, I just thought that was kind of interesting. And uh, I saw this story on the uh, Newswire, and I'm having a very difficult time believing this. I'll just I'll give you this story and see what you think uh, about it. According to a recent survey, uh, and this was, um, I'm not sure who commissioned the uh, survey, but they say it's a survey of 2,000 Americans, 73% of them homeowners, all right? That's so 70, uh, 2000 Americans, 73% of them homeowners, and they quiz them to test their knowledge of the housing market and the financial lending industry. And they claim in this that half, half of Americans have no idea what a mortgage actually is. How is that possible? How is that possible that, um, only 49% uh, chose the correct definition of a mortgage from a list of options. It was multiple choice. And only 49% picked the right one in a multiple choice list of definitions of what a mortgage is. Uh, now, they do say that homeowners got that question right at a higher rate than renters. But still, only 54% of homeowners could correctly define what a mortgage is. I just find that I was, I, I find that incredulous. I, I just, I, I don't know what to say about it. Almost one in five admit, 18% admit that they are not sure what kind of minimum down payment they need to purchase a home. Uh, despite this, it says 80% of respondents felt they received a passing score on the knowledge test. 12% believed that they had answered every question correctly, and clearly uh, they had not. But I just, I saw that and I said, how, how is that possible that, Less than half of Americans know what a mortgage is. I, it's bizarre. Something to think about there. There you go. Uh, some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Monday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Plenty of sunshine expected today with a high of 80. Just a few clouds tonight, a low of 61. Flag City Balloon Fest started off with some great flying weather on Friday. Unfortunately, the rest of the weekend wasn't so great weather-wise. On Friday, we went up in the apple-shaped balloon being piloted by Steve Wilkinson from Palm Springs, California. A family got a thrill and Steve landed in their backyard. Come on over you take a picture before I put it down and yeah. We have several videos from Balloon Fest on the website, including one in which a balloon goes all the way down and touches the surface of Lake Cascades behind our studios. Ohio health officials have some advice for college students as monkeypox cases are increasing just as they head back to campus. At this point, we know the virus spreads from 
prolonged close contact with an infected person. It's why some medical experts are sending a message to college students. They're in a, in a party or a dance or some sort of a setting where they're close with other people. They should uh, avoid direct skin-to-skin -skin contact, especially if people have a rash. Mount Carmel doctor Mark Herbert also says there is no need to shut down large gatherings yet, but instead just be cautious. Onan's Andrew Kinsey reporting. The University of Finley has named Corey Allen as the next head coach of the football program. Allen has been the interim head coach since April when it was announced that former head coach Rob Keyes was leaving for a job at Ohio State. Coach Allen says he's humbled and honored to be selected as the next head football coach. Allen is entering his 17th season with the Oilers and has helped build one of the most potent offenses in Division II. The weather unfortunately didn't cooperate for the Hancock Historical Museum's outdoor movie on Saturday night. So now the movie will be shown on Saturday night, August 27th. Wow, he's really fast, isn't he? Yeah, but he's stupid. The special showing of American Graffiti is in honor of the museum's exhibit on 1960s garage bands in Finley. Get more on the exhibit and the outdoor movie on the website. I'm Matt Demchek for 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Can't wait for the start of another high school football season. And that is the topic of our cover story this morning. A big honor for Macomb football standout Andrew Swisher, the Panthers star running back, has been invited to participate in the All-American Bowl this year. And his brother Corey has launched a GoFundMe effort to uh, help make it happen. Uh, Corey and Andrew with us in the studio this morning. Guys, thanks for uh, dropping by. We certainly appreciate it. Uh, Andrew, let me start with you. Uh, pretty exciting uh, honor. Talk about how all of this uh, got started. How did this come to be? So I was just sitting in school one day, and my principal called me to the office, and I got this letter from... <laughs> so the principal calls you <laughs> yeah. to the office. That's usually yes. not a good thing. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> and I got this letter, and I started reading it. It was like some combine. I was like, I didn't really know at the time what it, what it really meant, but as soon as I got closer, I'm like, you know, I'll give it a shot. And then it just went from there, and now... So I'm, the combine was where? The first one was set in Cincinnati Bengals Stadium. Okay. So and that's then, pretty cool. Yeah, and then... From there, you got invited to the All Super Combine in Canton at the Hall of Fame Stadium. Wow! So, who all was uh, was at this first one? Then, I mean, is it was it mostly uh, kids from schools your size or bigger schools? Uh, I mean, it's all around all Ohio, around. and then there was I think wow. there was a kid from Pennsylvania that came in Kentucky. Wow. So it was uh, everywhere. Wow! And so from there, you uh, obviously impressed, get invited to the one in yep. Canton. Yep, the Super Combine in Canton. And, and that was just some of the kids from uh, the last combine. And then also those kids from uh, some of the ones that are not, we didn't attend to in Ohio that came up to the Canton one. So an even wider yeah. uh, yes. range of, uh, of people. And when you went, did you have any expectation or, I mean, did you go say, saying, I want to, you know, I, obviously you don't want to impress yeah. everybody, but it, was it more for you as kind of let me go and see what I can learn and kind of soak it all in? Yeah, I, I kind of went to see what I can learn and then put it all on the line because it's my senior season. And now it all worked out and going to the All-American Bowl. So when did you find out that you had gotten the invitation to the All-American Bowl? Um, they they sent it in the mail and I found out, uh, let's see here, been two weeks ago I got wow. the invitation. so here just a couple of uh, yeah. weeks ago. And Corey, how excited for the entire family uh, when uh, you get well, that? The whole family was excited. I mean, you would never think a kid from a small town would go this far. Yeah. 
Yeah, we got the letter in the mail, and it was just amazing. You See, know? now you played too, right? Yes, During, I played in, back, in your day. In my day, yeah. Any uh, sibling rivalry there? Any no, by I or anything? There? It, there's a little bit there, but <laughs> <laughs> I just—he's definitely better than me, and I'm—I'm I'm very proud of that. That is awesome. So you have actually set up a GoFundMe to uh, help make it happen because obviously this is not an all expenses paid trip. So yeah, I set this GoFundMe up. I actually, me and my wife are talking about it. Um, my mom and dad are obviously helping contribute to it, and me, sure. my, me and my wife too, but it's still a pretty expense, uh, high expense sheet list, yeah. so I figured, you know, why not start a GoFundMe and see if anybody, any donation will help, and actually we have got some donations. Yeah, so. because, I mean, it's more than just buying a plane ticket, I would imagine. Yeah. I mean, you got to take all your yeah. stuff and, and all yeah, of that, you too. Can, you can buy the uniforms, and uh, actually, both yeah. teams actually get a ring from the game, and so you can buy that and stuff, so we always, every... Every time we did something special, we always bought the uniforms yeah. and stuff. Yeah, you know, because you gotta you gotta have that that memory yeah. of the experience. I mean, it really is uh, once in a lifetime. It's, yeah, it's a once yes. in a lifetime. So, uh, so for those uh, who are interested, how do we find out more? Um, I have a Facebook page, uh, okay. Corey Swisher. It's under my profile. Okay. Uh, the the uh, GoFundMe's page is set up on there. I mean, or if if you don't want to. Go go through that. I know some people don't know how or don't yeah. don't like to. Uh, they can personally message me or okay. even call me too. Uh, we've got it uh, linked up. We've got the GoFundMe linked up at our webpage uh, mm-hmm. as well. GoodMornings.net. If you want to uh, contribute, in, in, when is when is the All American Bowl? I mean, so the All American Bowl is actually January twenty seventh okay. through the thirtieth. The actual yes. All American game is on the thirtieth. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, I think, 1 o'clock, and it's going to be broadcasted on ESPN. And awesome. There's going to be a lot of colleges and. Recruiters watching it, so I'm hoping to get an offer. So you, I was going to say, so you're heading into your senior season uh, mm-hmm. now, hoping to play at the next level. I'm, I'm hoping to play at the next level. So uh, when do you need to have? I, I would imagine there's a deadline to get all of the stuff. You got to have the flight booked, and yes. you got to have everything taken so, care of. So uh, we actually just had to pay our first deposit, and then now we have okay. to make monthly payments every month up until January. Gotcha. So I'm just trying to raise money. Each month, so it's going to, to be an ongoing help. thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so obviously, we want to make sure that this uh, that this happens because, uh, again, like you said, it's not something that you know, is going to happen every day, especially for a, a kid from uh, from Macomb. It's really a, a cool uh, cool thing. So, like I said, we've got it linked up at GoodMornings.net. Check that out and uh, and help make it happen. What's your, uh, as we said, uh, high school football season starts on uh, Friday. You've got, what, Galleon? Galleon, yes. And, uh, on Friday, and then Marion Local right after yep. that, just jumping right into the deep end. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what, are the, what are the expectations? I mean, obviously, you're going to have team expectations. You're going to have personal expectations, personal goals. What, do you, uh, what are your goals for the season? So my goals for the season is to get all Ohio again for linebacker and then hopefully get for running back and then get all BVC again. Mm-hmm. That's my expectation. And, you know, those who have seen you play uh, know how incredibly talented uh, you are. When we're talking about, and, and obviously at Macomb, like most of the schools around the area, you play both ways. For the All-American Bowl, is it running back or linebacker? Uh, I'm playing just running back. Just running back. Okay. I, don't, I don't know if some people might be playing both ends, but I got chosen for running back. For running back? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, very cool. And is that what you hope to do in college? Yes. Because sometimes you get moved around position-wise. Yeah, so. yeah I, hope, I hope to be a running back in college. So, uh, really got to be so exciting to see all of that uh, attention. Yeah, it definitely is very that. exciting. Like I said, I'm very proud of him. Proud to be a big brother. You know, I just... 
hope he continues his career forward. You know, he can only go up from here. That is awesome. And how cool is it, Andrew, to have a, a big brother who's you know helping out that that much in that way? It's it's pretty awesome because now I have someone that I can look up to, and then that I can actually learn from mistakes. He would always help me when even I was down in peewee he'd always help me and then he's always been there for me no matter what so i appreciate him being there for me it's awesome stuff again uh, andrew and uh, Corey swisher with us uh, this morning we'll look forward to uh, some great action uh fridays over the next uh, 10 weeks plus because uh, certainly uh, looking to make a, a deep run in the playoffs i'm sure and uh, then we'll be looking for that at the all-american bowl in january really exciting stuff uh thanks guys for dropping by we certainly appreciate it best of thank you, you. Well, think about all the ways that we have heard that businesses have been impacted by the pandemic. Supply chain shortages, inflation, gas prices, pandemic restrictions. They have hit retail industries, service industries, travel and tourism, of course, supermarkets and more. But largely left out of the conversation have been landlords, property managers, real estate developers. Residential and commercial real estate owner Sam Liebman joins us this morning. He is manager for the Rolling Cash Opportunity Fund, which owns substantial interests in nearly two dozen properties in New York City and elsewhere, with an aggregate market value of over $120 million. Sam, talk about how your industry got hit during the pandemic. Well, it got hit tremendously. Um, and we're the sort of like the for- forgotten folks. Um, First of all, during the pandemic, if you had, you know, we couldn't collect our rent and there was a moratorium in the residential sector, right. sector where you couldn't even evict tenants, yet we still had to pay all the operating expenses. So, you know, tenants can, li- can live in the space and basically just not pay rent. On the commercial side, we had, it was twofold. We got hit by the pandemic where tenants went out of business, they couldn't pay their rent. And remember, when uh, you have an office building, and tenants don't pay their rent, you get hit three different ways. The tenant's not paying their rent. Tenants are coming out of the woodwork and saying, I want to renegotiate my lease because I can't pay. So mm-hmm. the value of bu- your building goes down. Right. Yet you still have to pay the operating expenses. And where's the money coming from? Yeah. Coming from the owner's pocket. And and that's to say nothing of the cost of projects in the pipeline that have skyrocketed as lumber and construction materials costs have become so volatile as well. That is a great great point. Not only not only has that happened because of the supply chain, gas and electric has doubled. My yeah. insurance in Texas for my buildings in Texas have gone up sixty five percent. Sixty-five percent. So, so uh, want to start on the on the residential side of things. That eviction moratorium you mentioned that comes to an end. Landlords now have the opportunity to get those non-paying renters out, but you're still uh, a bit stuck because there's good chance that a new renter will end up having the same kind of financial hardship, or that a property will sit empty, which doesn't help anyone. Well, in the residential sector, the residential sector is very strong, basically, because there's a shortage of rental housing across the country. Now, what happens from a practical standpoint is when my electricity doubles, I bill back the tenant. So we might bill back the tenant for, let's say, $33 a month. There comes a point between the tenant also has his insurance going up because mm-hmm. his his other f- cost of food going up right they can't afford it and i can tell you in my 2000 units in texas there's a homeless problem 
right now, tenants, because you convict them, they're all over the place. Mm-hmm. There is a major homeless problem because, because of this. And the other major, major uh, issue is that because of technology, people will not be going back to work. The average vacancy rate, yeah. oh, sorry, occupancy rate in the country is 40%. And that's, uh, I was going to say, on the uh, commercial end, you've got a similar issue. Commercial office buildings are uh, less than half full. Now, likely that is going to go up, but it's probably not going to ever go back to the way it was with the impact of remote work and so on. So you're left with all of this empty space that is costing money and not earning profit. You're 100% correct. And that's going to cause a major problem. What do you do? Yeah. So uh, now to be fair, and and you kind of touched on this. I think folks were paying attention. They probably already knew the answer to this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Some point to the fact that we have seen rents go up 20, 30, 40% or more over the past couple of years. And critics say you're actually part of the problem. At a minimum, you are your own worst enemy compounding your own problem with those rising rents. Well, then let us build. And the problem you have is they're taking away all of the tax credits that we had to as incentivize uh, us to build. Who's going to start? Who's going to uh, build a uh, a forty million dollar project where you got to sign personally for a thirty million dollar loan, construction loan? Mm-hmm. And either they're going to tell you how much you should charge for rent, and they don't care that, it, that your uh, expenses have doubled. Your cost of construction has doubled. Yeah. So during the pandemic and now, you cannot build. In fact, I'll give you an example. In New York City, which I believe is circling the drain, uh, they, they wanted to build 900 units in, in Harlem. Good area. And the local people, the local district canned it. And 450 of those units were going to be affordable housing. But they don't want anyone to build. They're not letting you build. And that is why there's a shortage. And one one point, in Manhattan, where rents, I heard this morning, just reached a all-time high, average $5,000 a month, it's crazy. People can't build, yet there's 43000 thousand vacant rent stabilized units that are just being warehoused by landlords because it doesn't pay for them there's no incentive to fix them up you know i one of the things that i thought was interesting i i read a report somebody suggested that you you know again we talk about the uh, empty commercial space that probably is not going to get filled again because of mm-hmm. the changing dynamics of work and saying well what about why don't we convert that to residential space i mean you know in some areas you've got zoning issues and everything you have to work through but could that be converted to residential space that would both fill those spaces and uh, again address the housing shortage well not every building can be converted for instance you don't it's very difficult to vacate and rent ten, uh, do construction while tenants are in the building so if you have a 20-story office building that's half vacant yeah but one tenant's on the 16th floor the other one's on the ninth floor the other's a 10th floor how do you renovate around these tenants mm-hmm. and they have leases would you want to be a tenant while uh, construction is going on the other issue is the floor plate of the building not every building you know, has light and air and other requirements that you need to do residential. And sometimes you have to do something called cut the building, which means if you convert it to residential, then you actually lose rentable square footage. So it's going to be determined on a building-to-building basis. 
but I don't see it as viable because right now, in my opinion, I'm predicting office building Armageddon. It's like there's a sinking ship and they're waiting for the Coast Guard, and the Coast Guard's not going to come on time. And each month they got to keep funding the shortfalls. Well, so it's just not a good situation. That was actually going to be my next question. What is what is the solution to all of this? Or more accurately, uh, what is the future of your industry? Then what does it look like for or, you know five or ten years from now? Well, I don't know about five or ten years from now because there's so many variables blown in the wind. But I think over the next three to five years, we're gonna, you know, owners are gonna have to just, you know, bite the bullet, and it's gonna be survival. And that's what we're doing now. But there's gonna be, in my opinion, massive foreclosures on the retail and commercial side. Mm. Prices will be reset. Look, in the 1990s, I bought properties for 50% of what they were. I did it again in the 1990s. There, somebody, unfortunately, there's going to be a lot of hurt going there. Hmm. And you, if you can buy a building, there'll be a lot of opportunities for people. Yeah. But if you buy a, a building for half the price, maybe instead, instead of charging $100 or $80 a, a square foot, you can get away with charging $50 a, a square foot. And maybe that's more affordable to the to new tenants coming in and that's one thing there's also going to be architectural uh, creativity in redesigning buildings now if you're talking about class a buildings the future of that i think they're going to be like resorts hmm. that, you know the googles of the world they're going to be building office parks tremendous types of uh new new technology that blow your mind those i think will do very well but for the average office building in a city or in town, a Class C or Class B, it's going to be made very challenging. Uh, specifically, as it relates to the end cost to the uh, consumer, and you're kind of addressing this uh, before, again, if folks are paying attention, they may already know the answer. Uh, whether we're talking about residential, uh, commercial, or specifically residential, question everyone wants the answer to, when do those escalating rent costs come down or at a very minimum level out? They're coming down now. I have a medical building in Manhattan that was getting $85 a foot. I dropped it to 70 because you can't get a tenant. It's yeah. vacant for six months. It's a tenant game right now. The tenant has all the advantages. They want the earth, the moon, and the sun in exchange for their tenancy. And it used to be the landlords had the leverage. Now the tenant has the leverage. Mm. Remember, empty units don't make you money. So to survive, they're reducing the, the price of the rent, but unfortunately, the devastating effect, effect on property value might make the property worth less than the mortgage, or what we call underwater, and it's, they're going to have to give it back to the bank. Mm. And, and I've seen it in the 90s, I've seen it in the 2000s, early 2000s, and I hope I'm wrong, but I don't think so we're going to see it again. The go only good part of it is a lot of people are going to have tremendous opportunities to buy properties at bargain basement prices. Again, some uh, really rough waters in the uh, real estate investment uh, industry. Again, Sam Liebman is uh, with us this morning, residential and commercial real estate owner and uh, manager. Sam, thanks very much for taking the time. I appreciate your insight this morning. Absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, Chris. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. Uh, we begin in Florida because it always seems appropriate to begin in Florida. It seems like weird things happen in the Sunshine State. 
Maybe it's all that sun just going to frying their brains. I'm not sure. Anyway, the St. Petersburg uh, area where uh, a man is facing uh, charges after a high-speed chase in Pinellas County. Sheriff's office there says deputies tried pulling over uh, 35-year-old Dartis Cobb for a broken headlight uh, on Saturday. That's all it was, just a broken headlight. Instead of stopping like a normal person would, he turned off his lights entirely and took off at high speed. Uh, Deputies say a a chase ensued through a highly populated area before uh, Mr. Cobb finally came to a stop on a dead-end street. Deputies uh, found a gun in the car as a convicted felon. He's not allowed to have a gun. They also found a one-year-old child in the car. Well, that's good. There you go. That's a real winner. (laughs) He's now facing multiple charges. Uh, One of them is not Father of the Year. Let's be sure. Uh, Let's see. Elsewhere in the uh, broken news. uh, Weird things happen in New York uh, as well. This is a, a strange story. Uh, New Yorkers have certainly seen their fair share of the odd and bizarre while riding the subway. But this, I, I can't imagine seeing, you know, I can't imagine that uh, things are so crazy in New York City that nobody even noticed this. But apparently, uh, riders of the subway are so used to seeing strange things they didn't even bat an eye when a man showed up to ride the, uh, the subway in his birthday suit. This is a report from the New York Post says uh, this uh, man and is not his name is not given in the report. And he decided to strip down to just his dirty socks at the City Hall subway stop. (laughs) Not just any subway stop there at City Hall. Onlookers were just not impressed. They just kind of shrugged and went back to what they were doing. Some people were reportedly oblivious to what was happening in front of them. They didn't even notice it was happening. Uh, it all was Thursday at 9 o'clock in the morning. Uh, I don't know. New Yorkers apparently so desensitized <laughs> to the weirdness of the subway that uh, people didn't even... What happened to the naked man strolling down the subway platform? Well, appar- apparently he uh, strolled toward one police plaza <laughs> where he was taken into custody. <laughs> Police have since taken him to Bellevue Hospital for evaluation, it says here. <laughs> All right, then. <clears throat> That's weird. So, honey, uh, can you imagine all of the commuters get home at the end of the day? So, honey, did anything happen at work? Day? Yeah, I had something really strange at the subway, but other than that... <laughs> From the international file, authorities in Australia say a thief who broke into the monkey enclosure at a city park to scoop coins from a pond might have exposed himself to potentially fatal herpes. Uh, the uh, city of Launchton, um, on the island of Tasmania, issued a press release after the break-in last week urging the thief, whoever he happened to, happened to be, to seek immediate medical attention. The city said the monkeys in the park like most of their species around the world, carry the herpes virus that can cause a number of symptoms to humans, which can be fatal. The mayor says the thief damaged an electric fence and stole coins that visitors throw into the moat surrounding the monkeys. Keep them from the 
visitors uh, at the uh, fence in the uh, enclosure. How desperate do you have to be for money that you're stealing coins from a moat around the monkey enclosure at the uh, at the park, the animal park? <laughs> Was it worth it? Was it worth it? That's uh, what I wonder. I don't know. Uh, let's see. Elsewhere in the uh, broken news this morning. An employee of the Destin Fort Walton Beach Airport has been arrested for allegedly stealing over $16,000 worth of possessions from checked luggage. <laughs> what a brilliant scheme! Uh, Giovanni De Luca faces two counts of grand theft after multiple travelers complained about missing items from their luggage. <laughs> They eventually figured out that someone uh, among the baggage handlers must have been tampering with the luggage before loading it on planes. Uh, Eventually, a tracking device inside of one of the bags led deputies to Mr. DeLuca's home. (laughs) Uh, Oops! It was a brilliant plan, except for that one teeny... Uh, that one teeny problem there, the air tags there, uh, deputies reported that some, but not all of the missing items were recovered. Uh, this is embarrassing. Very embarrassing. How would you like to be the, uh, uh, the worker at the, uh, at the, uh, office where, where this happened in Nevada, a simple copy paste error. Gave one homeowner 86 properties for the price of one. <laughs> so here's the deal. Um, the home buyer, and again, there are no names in this uh, in this report, but this home buyer is uh, purchasing a single-family home in Sparks, Nevada, uh, which is outside Vegas, right? It's about $600,000, which I guess is average in that uh, part of the country. Uh, but... Uh, Due to an administration error, the result of copying and pasting a legal description from one document to the homebuyer's deed, uh, according to the legal document, she ended up owning an entire neighborhood. (laughs) 86 properties in all. Uh, It was a a simple admin error, which will require the homebuyer to give back the title uh, to her home so that the deed can be corrected, but they'll fix it. And she's not actually the owner of 86 homes. <laughs> can you imagine looking at the deed? Oh, wait a minute. I don't just want own one home. I own every home in the neighborhood. <laughs> and finally, the broken news this morning, this story out of India, where in 1999, Tungnath Shatervedi, I think is how you pronounce it, purchased a train ticket. And it turns out he was overcharged for said train ticket. Uh, Apparently, the company was not going to refund him the money. And so he took him, he took the uh, company to court. He has finally, this is back in 1999. He finally has won his, his case. Um, he... <laughs> it was uh it was like a uh, 100 different court appeals and filings and appearances in court. He's finally won his case. 
He was overcharged by 20 rupees, which comes out to about 25 cents. <laughs> he also won interest, which means he was awarded a total of $3.50 when all is said and done. He had to pay 20,000 rupees in legal fees. Even after his relatives begged him to drop the case, this has been going on for 23 years over a 25 cent <laughs> overcharging. His relatives begged him to drop the case, but he says, this wasn't about money, but about my rights. <laughs> golly, it's the principle of the thing. It's a good thing he won, because how embarrassing would that be if you go through all of that for a, a dispute over a quarter and then lose your case? So at least he won. There you go. Uh, that is uh, today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. And yet another major brand just announced it's halting all social media advertising. The two most overused and abused words in advertising are truth and trust. They are the two most precious commodities for all brands, big and small. As an advertiser, you have to trust your partners to protect your brand's truth using the media consumer's trust. Radio, it's on. This message provided by WFIN. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. Is the COVID-19 pandemic over? New poll from the University of Pennsylvania's Annenberg Public Policy Center finds 40% of Americans believe it's over. They 40%, 4 in 10 of the 1,500 or so U.S. adults who uh, were polled in this survey Four in ten say that they have returned to their normal pre-COVID life after the lockdowns and restrictions over the past couple of years. That's a 16% jump from when the same question was asked back in January. What's more, 54% of those polled say they rarely wear a mask indoors in public anymore. That's more than double the number of people who said that seven months ago. Now, that said, the poll also revealed that 54% of those in the survey personally know at least one person who died from COVID-19, and 31% say they know someone who is suffering from the side effects of long COVID. Kathleen Hall-Jamison, director of the Annenberg Public Policy Center, said a consistent percentage in the poll does not believe a pre-COVID normal will ever be restored, still feels that way, but a growing number have returned to their pre-COVID life. Uh, kind of interesting, 78% of those in the poll say that they are fully vaccinated. Just 35%, though, say that they have had both of the recommended boosters. So, Kind of interesting. It appears that I, I, what I was uh, really struck by is the uh, dramatic increase in the number of people who say that, yes, life is back to quote-unquote normal uh, what uh, things were like pre-COVID now, dramatic increase on the number of people who uh, say that as compared to seven months ago. Well, in case you didn't already know, the Findlay Hancock County Chamber of Commerce has launched a new podcast. It is called Chamber Amplified. 
And uh, the host of said podcast is uh, Doug Jenkins, who is with us on the line this morning. Doug, thanks very much for uh, taking some time uh, this morning. First of all, talk a little bit about the uh, the Chamber Amplified podcast. And uh, you've been doing this for several months now. Uh, talk about the uh, idea behind this. Yeah, we started back in March. I It started... Uh, I'll take a trip with me here, Chris. We, you go back to 2000, and we moved all of our events virtual, like just about everybody else did. Right. It went really, it went really well at first, but then by the end of the year, people just got tired of Zoom meetings and everything. So just let us know when you're back in person. So then last year, we had more in-person meetings as the as the time went on and things opened up a little bit more. But then we started running the issues. Everybody's in a crunch with for employees. They can't get to different programs and things like that. And so we've got some of our marquee programs that people were still attending well, but some of the different uh, educational things that we were trying to do, we just weren't seeing the numbers. So the idea was let's take the topics that we're talking about there, whether it's employee recruitment, retention, supply chain logistics, employee safety, marketing, you know, whatever, and, uh, and let's just talk about those in a podcast. So that way people don't have to leave the office. They can just get that information you know, right, delivered right to their phone or mm-hmm. listen to it right at their computer. Right. And uh, you've covered a, a number of interesting topics, uh, again, mostly uh, aimed at, at, understandably, the Finley-Hancock County Chamber of Commerce, uh, at uh, topics that uh, business owners are most concerned about and uh, issues confronting local businesses. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously the big one over the last year has been employee recruitment and retention. You know, mm-hmm. when we talk to our members and area businesses, that's, that's a number one, the biggest issue that they've been dealing with. That's kind of changing a little bit right now. Um, but so we talk to either local employment experts. Uh, we find experts on LinkedIn who, uh, who have a national audience. So we really kind of find as many different viewpoints as we can. Um, but then, you know, marketing is another big topic that a lot of our, our members want to know about. So especially, topic. especially this day and age. Yeah, All absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, we've even done some on cybersecurity and uh, ransomware, things like that. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's a good way for, for local businesses to uh, kind of keep up with some of the topics that they're interested in, but just may not have a chance to go out to to uh, you know, go to a session about it or anything and like that. And you've also talked about uh, issues, and a couple of uh, the episodes that I found uh, really interesting are uh, ones where you talk about uh, issues that impact the uh, community at large. I know uh, you talked with uh, Lydia Mahalik, who is uh, uh, Ohio's uh, oh, development yeah. director, uh, about the uh, impact that the Intel plant in Columbus may have uh, statewide, even uh, in our part of uh, uh, of the state. And I know we've talked about that on this program as well, but interesting to get that perspective uh, as well. Yeah, absolutely. I almost forgot we did that one. It's been a while ago now. Um, <laughs> so uh, we, uh, yeah, I just, I mean, when you think about supply chain logistics mm-hmm. and, you know, the impact that this, this massive plant right. could have, uh, we're right in the footprint of, of areas that could see, and different things happen because of that. So right. I thought it was uh, it would be interesting to find out uh, what that could mean and how businesses could get involved. Taking kind of a big picture uh, look at that. And then one of the other, the most recent uh, podcast, also uh, addressed a sort of a community-wide issue. And it's certainly not unique to our community, but for communities uh, all over the country. Uh, you're talking about where the community would be without local sources of accurate and reliable news. And uh, obviously, this is something 
something that is uh, near and dear to our heart, uh, being the yeah. business that that we are in here. And obviously, as folks know, you have a, a good deal of experience in this as well. But talk a little bit about that subject and how you approach that in the uh, latest Chamber Amplified podcast. So it, it was two parts. One is I, I do think it's really important to have that community source of news, a couple of community sources of news. Obviously, uh, this is what we talked about Courier, but certainly uh, WFIN sure. and its sister stations have been longtime members too, and we're going to have them on in the future. But I just, having, we lose a little community when we don't have those sources. We may not agree with everything, but you know, when people just outright shun uh, a, a you know trusted source of news, I don't think it's good for the community. Um, and so that that was part of it. We wanted to highlight a long term member. Um, certainly, I've known Jeremy Spear, the courier here, for uh, a little while since he started there three years ago. Right. And, uh, well, let's let's talk about that. And um, yeah, I think the interesting part of that interview is we talked a little bit about how sports sort of serves that community building point too, and how sure. you know local news and sports coverage help build that community and that sense of, you know, that, that sense of community, I guess, is probably building a better the, way to put it. Building the sense of community and also making sure that the, that the community remains informed about the uh, yeah. issues that are, are, are key. And I think it's, uh, I think it's really interesting, uh, in that uh, over the past uh, number of years, you talk about industries that have faced uh, a great challenge. I mean, certainly uh, the uh, struggles of the print news uh, industry uh, have been well documented, and uh, even traditional broadcast news uh, at the local level has uh, you know faced uh, many of the same types of yeah. challenges. I, I, what I find is that people don't really take a, uh, the the time to pause and, and think about just how uh, – how critical it is and how challenging it is for uh, news. I don't think they're shunning news, local news on purpose. No, I think it's symptomatic of, and we talked a little bit about this in the last podcast is that people will equate national media. They just lump it all together. Yeah. That's part of it. It's very easy to paint all media with the same brush. Yeah. And it's so, I mean, Obviously, I've got firsthand experience in it. I mean, news, sure. putting a newscast together, putting a newspaper—it's hard work. I mean, you just, yeah, it's it, there's a lot that goes into it, and I, I thought that was uh, something well, interesting to examine too. But part of it, I think, too, is uh, people don't realize. Uh, I'll talk with uh, with uh, friends, acquaintances of mine, who say, "Well, I don't listen to the radio that uh, often anymore. I'm I'm listening to Spotify or Pandora or what right. have you." Um, and, and that's great. And, and, you know, my wife and I, we listen to those services as well. Um, but if, if that's all you're listening to, uh, then you're not listening to local radio. You're not getting that local, uh, information. Um, if, you know, I don't subscribe to the newspaper anymore because, uh, I just never read it. Well, yes, but that, uh, then means how are you keeping up with that? I think there is a challenge for, those in the news industry to adapt and meet uh, people where they're at. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. But I would also, I mean, and, and I think you see it. I mean, obviously, you guys have a lot of success with the Stuff the Bus campaign. That was awesome to see. Right. And if you're only on, you know, Apple Music or Spotify or only, you know, listening to, you know, national podcasts or whatever. Right. Like you're not, you're going to miss those. But I think, you you know, like you guys did a good job of it's out on Facebook. It's out, you know, I'm finding it right. everywhere, not just 
by going to your primary source, which I, I think, you know, you're right. And you have to find ways, new ways to meet people. And then the challenge becomes, how do you monetize that? Because yes, you can push, <laughs> you can push that, uh, that information to Facebook or to your website yeah. or to uh, the podcast as we do with the good mornings podcast. But then the challenge becomes, uh, how do you make money on that? Because uh, again, obviously, these this is how we earn our living. We're not, you know, we right. can't survive if we don't uh, make money. So, you know, that becomes the the next challenge for uh, the uh, those sources of information, those news gathering and news producing sources. Yeah, and the tough thing is, is that platforms like Facebook are always trying to. And they they let you do something for a while, and then they turn it, and all of a sudden you can't use that <laughs> anymore. And you're like, oh, well, we thought that would be a good way to inform people, and <clears throat> maybe we might uh, be able to, to make that uh, something that was scalable and everything. We're like, nah, 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 it's got to yeah. get through us. And, um, and of course, so they're, that's always and, an issue. And, of course, they're trying to monetize their platform as well, so then you have uh, revenue streams on top of revenue streams. Right. And that can turn people off, too. So, again, I, I just thought it was really interesting and, and certainly uh, thought-provoking for Joe Average to think about where would we be without those local sources of accurate and reliable news? Because, again, this is much different than your next-door neighbor posting about something that they happen to see or hear about. Right. Uh, you know, it's sort of the 21st century version of uh, gossiping by the fence post. Well, yeah, with with way bigger ramifications, one could argue. Exactly. Um, so, it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was an interesting podcast, and... I wish I could tell you I knew what was coming up this week on it, but I kind of. Yeah. <laughs> so, hey, hey, so that I know, was, uh, we get we get the interviews lined up a couple weeks in advance, and I like by the time they come around, I'm like, oh yeah, that's right, I probably <laughs> just a little bit before we do the interview. Much like this interview, incidentally, but anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> So the uh, Chamber Amplified podcast, uh, really interesting stuff. And if folks want to check it out, uh, you're on all the major podcasting platforms. It's a weekly deal. You come out, uh, what day, on Friday? Friday morning. Yep. Friday morning. So uh, check that out uh, online. We've got a link up to it at our webpage, too, at goodmornings.net. Again, Doug Jenkins with the Findlay Hancock County Chamber of Commerce. And by their Chamber Amplified podcast. Thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Chris. And that will finish up our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. That, of course, is goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow, we'll talk tech tools that can take some of the workload off of small business owners and operators. Until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow. Oh,